0: You care about your money.
1: Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily, wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily, wherever you get your podcasts. This is Anthony Angaro from Break the Twitch, and you're listening to the What's Up Next podcast.
2: This is Stephen from the Good Life Guys podcast and you are listening to the Watch Up Next podcast.
0: This is Jillian Johnson from Montana Money Adventures and you're listening to the What's Up Next podcast.
3: Welcome to What's Up Next, where your hosts, Paul, David Thompson, and Doc G, take the discussion on topics in the financial independence movement to the next level. Guest panelists share their opinion to questions that don't have clear answers to
0: help you refine your path to financial independence.
4: Welcome. This is Paul David Thompson from Ready Investor One. And this is Doc G from
3: Diversify.com. So, Paul Thompson, what's up next? So, Doc, today we have
4: a fun conversation about the question regarding, will financial independence make you happy? We have three guests today that are going to chime in on their journeys to financial independence and what they think about the question. So, we'll go around and do a quick introduction to each of them. Jillian, would you mind starting?
0: Yeah, I'm Jillian Johnsrud. I write over at Montana Money Adventures. I mostly talk about financial independence, but in the context of intentional living and how we actually go about creating our best life.
4: Oh, I love it! Can't wait to hear more. Stephen, could you do us a quick intro, please? Yep, uh, my name's Stephen, and I am
2: the I, I host a podcast with my co-host Yasin. It's called The Good Life Guys we talk about a mixture of topics from philosophy psychology we we interview people that we find interesting from from those worlds and we've done a little bit of we've talked a little bit about finance and fi but i would say it's not really one of our focuses but for me it's become a, a real interest over the last 8 months fantastic
1: thank you so much for being here anthony how about you My name is Anthony Angaro, and I'm the creator of Break the Twitch, which is a YouTube channel, a blog, and recently a podcast all about removing distractions and doing more of what matters. Focus on the topics of minimalism, habits, and creativity as a framework to do that.
3: All right. So I would like to start the conversation with Stephen. Stephen, you had me on as a guest on the Good Life Guys podcast, and one of the things we talked about is the purpose of financial independence. And we talked about one of the things that is important about financial independence is we use it as a tool to decrease stress, fear, and anxiety. And I was surprised to hear you talk a little bit about finding the financial independence journey actually brought more stress into your life in some ways. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um,
2: I wouldn't say it brought more stress, but I'd say it brought a different type of stress and a different type of anxiety. Essentially, for, first and foremost, I think overall finding financial in the financial independence movement and learning about finance, learning about how to be better with your own finances and moving along the continuum towards something that you might want to call financial independence is certainly overall a good thing. But I think it has... Lots of potential pitfalls in it. For example, uh, it's quite addictive, I think. I mean, it's quite, I find myself having to try to tear myself away from financial independence blogs and podcasts and trying to, you know, as as we discussed on the podcast that that we did with you, trying to force myself not to look at my investments on a day to day basis. Because as I said in the beginning, I've only been doing this for about eight or nine months, so I'm quite new to it. So I would say, Whereas prior to finding this, I had certainly anxieties about money that that were to do with not having any idea what my financial situation really was all about, a bit of a black hole that I tried to ignore. But now I find myself micromanaging it to the extent where I can actually find myself getting quite anxious or stressed over Minuscule details about my portfolio, like writing and rewriting and rewriting again my asset allocation obsessively and uh, that sort of thing. So that, that's what I would say I mean by a new type of anxiety. So
3: Anthony, what he's describing about that writing and rewriting his asset allocations or going online and checking his investments sounds a lot to me like what you would call a twitch. Um, talk to me about about the idea behind Break the Twitch, and I believe for you, money was a different kind of twitch. Can you talk about that a little bit definitely the The twitch
1: is the small, unproductive responses we have to different forms of discomfort. so in the case of checking the portfolio and managing the asset allocation, that's a form of discomfort that that would be maybe something like being unsure about. How things are going, or a little anxious about if you're doing it right, or that type of thing. For me, it was very different in the beginning, where I was using those impulsive responses to discomfort to buy things. I was buying small purchases, mostly on Amazon, different places like that. And it was a very unproductive way to temporarily solve the discomfort of want, of, of wanting to achieve something of wanting to feel like I was a real runner. So, I, you know, buy the nice shoes and different things like that to look the part. And it never really ended up helping much uh, until I finally learned how to build a habit. (laughs) So there's uh, different aspects to it. It has to do with the, the smartphone, technology, internet, the way that we just find those little distractions in our lives and and manage those actively. But that's the, the core concept behind Break the Twitch is just managing and learning to create some friction in the process so we can give ourselves a fighting chance to live out with intentionality.
3: So Jillian, I'm interested in your uh, insight as a life coach and as a money coach When I listen to Anthony, it sounds like spending money for him was a twitch. He spent money to relieve anxiety. On the other hand, Stephen has made this life change where he's looking towards financial independence, but that in itself is forming its own sense of need to do this repetitive behavior that that maybe is causing more anxiety than benefit. So it really brings up a big question. The question is is a chicken and egg question. Is money the answer to solving some of our anxieties or is our anxiety a cause of our money stress?
0: It could be both. I think the part of financial independence that starts to stress people out is that it's a hard finish line. And once you start investing and you have a certain amount of money you can save, there's not that much more you can do to optimize. You reduce your expenses, you start to invest, but you really want to hit this goal. You just can't run much faster. And so then you optimize and you refresh the spreadsheet and you listen to more podcasts and you consume more. I think one of the greatest benefits we had, I hit financial independence when I was 32, but I started when I was 19 and the great, benefit that I enjoyed was I didn't know that that was my goal. It wasn't this hard deadline and it wasn't life delayed before I hit this deadline. It wasn't like, oh man, soon as I hit financial independence, that magic number, everything gets to be different. Instead, I focused on the incremental change and how could I slowly build more financial freedom And with each step of building more financial freedom, it did relieve a lot of stress. We paid off $55,000 of debt. That relieved a lot of stress. We built $1,000 of margin in our budget a month, $2,000 of margin in our budget a month. That relieved a lot of stress, but it wasn't just anxiously racing towards a goal. We enjoyed that financial freedom every step of the way.
3: So, Stephen, as I hear Julian talk, she mentions this kind of phenomenon that we have, this as soon as I reach. And I think in one of your podcasts, you guys talk about the nine beliefs that will ruin your life. And one of them is, I will finally live as I want to once I accomplish, dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm wondering, in your case, coming to financial independence or coming to being a responsible financial steward of your future at your current space in life, do you put a lot of time into thinking about what happens after you reach financial independence? Are you thinking a lot about what the meaning and purpose of life are above and beyond getting to that space?
2: Well, I would say that my uh, my my mind has has definitely changed over the last couple of months because at the beginning when I, when I stumbled across. Uh, a Jim Collins Google talk, and just was kind of like compelled to take action, and amazed that actually there was a systematic way to dramatically improve this area of life. Immediately, I was just I was just really really keen to try to get to that stage where you have fu money or where you hit actual official financial independence. Well, I think what I've been realizing more recently is that uh, pretty much what Jillian said about, you know, life, I can't, I'm not willing to, and I really think it would be a massive mistake for me to put life on pause while I try to get to that point, because it's going to take a long time. And, you know, I mean, who knows what will happen to me before I reach that point. I mean, you know, I may never reach it. I think about it now, it's just becoming more or less financially independent, as in, you know, being in a lot of debt. Is being extremely unfinancially independent, having, as Julian said, your debt paid off is definitely more financially independent than you were. Having some margin in your budget is more financially independent. Again, having some investments is more financially independent, and so on and so on. So that would be more how I think about it now in terms of what I want to do with my life when I reach, if I ever do financial independence. I haven't thought much about it to be honest. I just, uh, I just think it will be. It will just put me in a a place where I am more free, uh, just free of one worry, essentially.
3: So, Anthony, as I'm listening to this, I think a lot about your content. I met you at Camp Fi Midwest, but you do not brand yourself as a financial independence person. Um, You don't brand yourself as a money person. And yet, I think a lot of the things you talk about have relevance to us in the financial independence community. Do you believe that, that money will change your trajectory? Do you believe that you'll hit a space? Maybe you'll, you'll hit a number you call financial independence and it'll make a difference in, in your life? Or do you feel like you're kind of already there?
1: Great question. I don't talk about money directly. You're, you're right. Um, but a lot of the Twitch has to do with intentionality, which flows over into every area of life, right? Especially money. Is there a number? That's a really tough question for me because my context of financial independence is self-employment. And I do remember the the switch when that ramp up in the build to working on building a, a film company and my blog and podcast and all this other stuff. And the ramping up while I was still working, use, doing it as a side hustle. And then immediately once I finally quit my job, my full-time job to do this, my motivation levels and everything just immediately plummeted because I no longer had the pain point of what I was trying to achieve and focusing on and that goal of being able to transition over into being a full-time entrepreneur. It was very odd. And so my pain point and drive to work on all these particular things sort of fell off. So then I had to reinvent the drive of what was pushing me to do this and and so to me that feels a little bit like phi to where if you're focused on a singular goal th- that you get there and then what and and i think life just doesn't really work that way you know it's uh it's <laughs> it's continuous there's only one for me there's only one finish line and that's the one we all meet at some point
3: Julian, you know, what what he talks about makes me think a lot of one of your posts where you go through and talk about all the different advantages of FI. And one you say is that you choose your most meaningful work. Now, what Anthony just said makes me think a lot about my own journey in the sense that in some ways, financial independence, or at least financial security became such a goal that it sometimes blocked me from really thinking about what my meaningful work is. When you coach people, do they come to you knowing what their purpose is and what their meaningful work will be after they reach financial independence?
0: I don't think we ever fully know. Like Anthony said, I think it's a process of becoming. And sometimes people have a little bit of direction. Some people have a little bit more clarity. So I kind of take it at... A baseline of what are the ingredients that we're working with? What are the things that are true to us? What are the things that we're interested in or captivated by? For some that's writing or teaching or building things or making things or conversations. But those are core ingredients and there's a lot of ways that we can mix that into different recipes. I don't believe in this idea that we have one passion or one dream job. It's like saying my only ingredients chicken. That's all I'm gonna eat every day for the rest of my life. I think we bring a lot of ingredients to the table across centuries, across decades. I mean, if you were born in the 13th century, you would still be you. And all those ingredients would be the same. You would just find new mediums, new kinds of recipes to put those in. And so I think it's a process of getting more clarity on what are those core things Because once your job is gone, hopefully your current work holds some of those ingredients, um, but you have to find a place to put that. If you love teaching, if you love conversations, and your job holds that really nicely, and you're going to leave your job, we need to find a new place to put those ingredients, because if they don't come out of us, if we don't have an outlet, I think they drive us insane.
3: Stephen Gillian talks about those ingredients of what sounds to me like building a purposeful life. Um, it makes me wonder, though: do we need financial independence for that? I mean, is 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 it relevant? I would say it's definitely it's it's without doubt
2: not essential. But again, I think for me, money is just a means to increased freedom. So I would say that with Phi or at least being on the road to FI and being more and more FI, if you want to put it that way, would give you more more freedom to spend more time doing things you love and that maybe perhaps give give uh, add real value to the world. Um, whereas the less FI you are, the more time you're going to be obligated to spend essentially keeping your head above water and making sure that you have enough money to pay bills. Because I suppose most people are not lucky enough to be doing something for their, their full-time employment that they, you know, are genuinely passionate about. I think that's a, minor, a minority of people to get to do that. So if you're working for money and you need every paycheck, then you're going to have less time.
0: Yeah. And I, I really help coach people through a lot of work transitions because like, I think the financial freedom is a scale. So even in your nine to five, oftentimes there's ways we can make your current job better. And oftentimes when people gain more financial independence, they gain more financial freedom, they have the courage and the confidence to say to their boss, hey, could I like work from home one day a week or this task over here, I don't really feel like that's my strength. I think I would be better suited to this one. They have the confidence to ask for time off. They have a confidence to switch jobs or to make their self-employment better especially once you get financially independent, I'm like, build the thing you want to have. You don't have to do any of this. If you hate that part of your job, say, hey, I'm not gonna do that. I'm just gonna do this, this part that I really love. And that's accessible all the way across the board. Once you get out of that, I'm not gonna make my mortgage, I'm not gonna have food unless this works, soon as you gain just a tiny bit more, you have the flexibility to make some changes.
4: I completely agree, Jillian, because that was my similar experience when I was transitioning out of corporate America. And I found that I actually became a better employee when I had the freedom to have an opinion that was helpful to the the company. And I was able to I wasn't trying to survive anymore. I was just trying to be a good, helpful employee. Anthony, I understand that you also transitioned out of a corporate America type job. Did you have a similar experience when you were doing your transition or was yours completely different?
1: Well, the so I actually was the marketing director of a bike share nonprofit.
4: So not exactly corporate
1: America. Right. It was definitely a mission driven organization. And it was something that I found that, as I had this other thing to focus on, it definitely, on my spare time where I feel like I could really be in full control of what I was making and creating, it did positively influence the other types of work and how I was able to show up for my normal kind of day job. I will say that one of the big things that encouraged me to leave off and, and, and really go off on my own was that I tend to do things a little differently. I tend to think a little differently and sometimes have a hard time bullet listing exactly why what I think is the right move is going to work. And having worked for a a prior attorney who was then running the organization that I was at, it was very hard for me to kind of explain my intuition. And so I realized that I was probably best off Just being able to do the things that I inherently knew from my experience were right and not having to justify them. And that was a big sort of transition and move from going from one thing to the next. So part of it can simply be that you know a way that you work well and not having to justify that to someone else. Uh, And financial independence, I think, can help get you there, right? When you make that transition, but or being an entrepreneur.
3: Stephen, do you think as you get more and more financially secure, it will change your relationship to work?
2: Um, Yeah, I'd say it already is because in a way it's, yeah, I think it's similar to what, well, actually what basically most of you guys have have kind of said so far. It's you're no longer, because my line of work is I am essentially freelance. So I have multiple sources of income. I'm a musician, first and foremost. So but all of a sudden I'm less desperate to take every little bit of work. Cause I can kind of I have that little bit of a safety safety net, I suppose, or uh cushioning essentially too to kind of go, yeah, do I want to do that? Actually, not really. I don't, I don't have to feel that anxiety of like, yeah, yeah, got to accept all work because, you know, when you're a freelancer, it's like it's, it's wrong to say no because you get that kind of fear of, oh, well, I won't be asked again. You know, you're a bit of a slave to having to uh, say yes to everything, but I feel like, you know, it's definitely changed my feeling in that regard. I, I, I've, uh, I've, been, I've found myself able to say uh, no or maybe just uh, – To to do things more on my terms, as Paul was saying, Uh, you know, I can, you know, I can almost be more creative, as it were, because I'm less afraid of uh, disappointing. It's kind of it makes me think of the um, it's uh, it's
3: thriving instead of merely surviving. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example with a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel. This car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenues, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash earn. That is linkedin.com slash E-A-R-N for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash earn and get started. I want to transition a little bit over to Anthony. You say in your blog at one point, you say that we try to buy a better version of ourselves. Uh, In other words, we try to use purchasing power to become what we want to become. I sometimes wonder, do we also try to save to become a better version of ourselves? I mean, is it truly authentic to say that reaching financial independence will make us better?
1: I don't think that financial independence changes you as a person. It doesn't change your work ethic or your habits or it doesn't change anything about who you are. It just means you have more money or a system for creating income from rentals and things like that. It really doesn't modify anything other than your ability to get there. So... If the process of getting there created some habits that benefited you as a person, then that is who you become and that is who you've changed to be. But really the the idea of the false first step, as you mentioned, is that we try to buy our way to progress. We try to to, uh, outsource our effort and it's exciting. It's exciting to buy the thing. It's exciting to get the thing. It's a doubly exciting thing because it feels like we're taking a step towards what we want and... Then we put on the shoes, we put on the heart rate monitor watch, it lasts a little while and the excitement fades, nothing really has been done. So there are obviously ways to work with that and cope with that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's tough to say whether having a bunch of money in your bank account changes who you are. I think about the lottery all the time, like if someone is a loser and not very kind before winning the lottery and then they are a multimillionaire, are they suddenly a successful person or are they, how, how does that change the situation?
2: Um, I would say just, uh, if you win the lottery, then I would say that, yeah, you, you tend to probably not change. And in fact, it might bring out, you know, the worst in you in some respects. Um, but I think that to, to learn the process of learning about finances to to learn about how that world works to learn about how to invest in a way that's kind of effective once once you master it in one area and you get yourself from a to b to c to d in the in the financial uh, part of your life i think it can bleed into other areas and i've kind of i've sensed that i don't know if it's really true but kind of harking back to the last question you asked me about um my job i feel like maybe in a way i'm just more uh, I try slightly harder because I've learned to try harder and be more deliberate in this other part of my life that up until you know less than a year ago, I would have had no confidence that I could get sorted. So the fact that I've been able to sort my financial situation out has given me a confidence and maybe
3: a slightly increased work ethic that has bled into other areas. Yeah, Jillian, tell me a little bit about how reaching financial security changes your coaching clients. What does that develop in them? How does it help them move towards a more purposeful life?
0: There can, I think it's a scale. I usually work with people somewhere in the middle towards the end of the journey. And we're starting to really custom design and make sure that this life is the thing that they want. So on plus, plus and minus, the benefit is they have to take ownership of it. And especially once they hit that financial independence point, man, money is such an easy excuse. It is so easy to blame it for our unhappiness or our lack of gratitude or our inability to make different choices with our lives. But when I pull up their trajectory and I show them, I say, listen, it's not about the money anymore. Now you really just have to decide what you want to do with your life. Like we don't get to use this as an excuse because you staying working is the difference between you dying at 90 with 9 million or 6 million. It just, it doesn't matter anymore. And, and that's, it's a good decision making point that forces uh, what do I want to do? Cause a lot of people don't even allow themselves to ask that question because they think, well, I don't get to do what I want to do. I have to do what I have to do. And I really try to encourage people to start asking that sooner because I believe there's a lot of power in the things that we want to do. I think we make so much more progress on the things that we want to do. And so don't don't use money as an excuse. Like, well, I can't do anything or I have no choices. You might not have a lot of great choices, but you probably have a couple.
3: Yeah, Jillian, one thing that I have talked about pretty openly is when I actually discovered financial independence and realized I was financially independent, I actually got a little bit depressed. So I'm wondering, do you see this process of when you bring out in your coaching clients that, okay, don't use money as that excuse. You're there. It's not about the money anymore. Do you get fear and anxiety or do you get excitement or a little bit of both?
0: It's always both. It's always excitement and fear. The entire process, no matter where people start, no matter where we end up, I think as long as we're making our life bigger, the only way to not feel fear is to stop and to say, you know what, I'm going to pitch my tent here and I'm going to keep my life in this little tiny circle where everything's safe. But I force people to grow and to make their life get bigger and bigger and bigger and at every point in growth, even when the growth is amazing, there's excitement and fear.
4: Uh, so I have a question around that. And I'd like maybe for each of you to jump in on what your thoughts are, if you have any. And it's this idea of being afraid. And when you when you find yourself close to Fi or like realistically on the path, or maybe like Doc, where you just kind of discover the movement, like, oh, by the way, I am financially independent. What are we afraid of? Because this is a very common point of view that I hear from people. And I have this, um, there's a book that I read called The Big Leap by a guy named Gay Hendricks. And he has this idea of, of an upper limit problem and we're self-imposing or self-sabotaging a limit to us. And I think for each of us, what we are afraid of might be different. But in, in y'all's case, um, if you've experienced this or if you've seen other people, what is it that we're afraid of when we see that we are developing success? I'll start with Stephen.
2: Um, I would say, well, first of all, as an aside, that book just literally, literally arrived in my post box from Amazon this morning. Fantastic. Uh, you
4: love it. you love it. Uh,
2: cool. Had that regarding FI because I'm really, really, real early on my FI journey. And I'm, you know, as I said, my finances are like infinitely better than any other time in my life. But, you know, I'm not going to be quitting work anytime soon. I would say in terms of getting afraid when success seems to come your way, that's yeah. I, I I think that happens to many of us in many areas. And I think with success comes more responsibility. For a start, um, we maybe no longer get to make excuses for ourselves across the board in other areas. It's comfortable being uh, who we are. It's comfortable being able to go. Oh, you know, uh, th- you know, my life is what it is, and. Uh, Big things don't or haven't happened to me. I feel like it's like a, a comfortable cardigan you can wear, and you know, just kind of hang around indoors and not go outside. So I think, well, yeah, with with success comes responsibility. You need to start. You need to become a newer version of yourself, which is in and of itself frightening.
1: Anthony, thoughts? I think any kind of growth is uncomfortable. I think it's pushing ourselves out of the. Expected or the patterns that we've established over our lives, some that might not be very helpful and some that might be helpful, that actually gets us to where we think we want to go. And then sometimes when we get there, it's not quite what we expected and it's uncomfortable and we're forced to grow. I mean, I think some of the biggest changes in life when it happens, those are the things that are going to literally just force us when you make a big move, when you change jobs, when you reach financial independence, depending on what it is. The kind of funny thing that I've noticed in parallel with this is when we were decluttering, we learned about minimalism and owning less stuff. And when we were decluttering our lives, it was exciting and it was fun. And each trip to the donation center felt really good. And it was, it was so much. And then when we got to the point where we were pretty comfortable with the things that we had and it felt done for that point, it, it kind of sank and it kind of felt like, oh, well, what what now? We have all this space, we have all this time, but now things are just sort of seeping in that I didn't really want to do more of in the first place. So we had to then reinvent and that was incredibly uncomfortable, not having every moment filled and every space filled. So that discomfort, I think, is one of the, the biggest catalysts to growth, but you do have to push through it. Jillian,
4: what have you found people are afraid of
0: well, people are afraid of everything. The list of fears is a million, million miles long. Um, but I agree with the growth. You know, I, I always warn people, we think that challenges will dysregulate us. And by dysregulate, that could come out as hesitation or fear or anxiety or, you know, withdraw. Um, you can dysregulate up or down. It looks like people are yelling and fighting and, you know, their heart rate's going faster, but people also physically dysregulate down. They withdraw, they disconnect, they numb, their heart rate lows, they zone out on Facebook. All of that is dysregulation. And we've come to expect that we'll dysregulate going through hard things or challenging times in our lives. But people also dysregulate going through success and growth and so I'll jump on calls with people and they're like, oh, like, I feel like I have anxiety. Like, this is really hard. Like, is it, is it supposed to be this hard? And that's, that's the lie. Like, if we feel fear, if we feel hesitation, if we feel dysregulation, people back away and they turn around and they leave. They go, oh, I must be doing something wrong because I don't, I don't feel comfortable and regulated right now. But all growth is going to dysregulate us. And I say it's like if I was a personal trainer and you came back and you said, hey, I feel a little sore after our workout, I'd be like, perfect. I'm trying to keep you in just the right amount of dysregulation. You shouldn't be too comfortable, but you shouldn't be like panic attacks and not sleeping, like just that right amount of fear and excitement. Um, that I know you're growing and you're pushing yourself, but you're not like shutting down your body in the process either.
3: Anthony, as I hear Jillian talk, I'm thinking about one of your posts where you talk about sitting in a sensory deprivation tank. And in some ways, I think we have all this noise. I think we have internal noise. We have our own anxieties, fears, the own things we tell ourselves. We have a lot of money noise. And in some ways, as I was reading your post, I think of financial independence as a sensory deprivation tank. I think like all of a sudden you get to this place and you realize I have enough And the lack of money, stimulus, worry, fear creates a vacuum. And sometimes that vacuum actually leads to vertigo, right? Leads to a feeling of dizziness, unsteadiness, nausea. And I couldn't help but thinking and feeling the same sentiments as I was reading your description. Tell me a little bit about that and how it felt. So I'm floating in this pod in complete darkness,
1: totally naked. And (laughs) it was very odd and I was doing it for an hour-long session. And the the parallels there are hilarious because after probably 45 minutes or so, my brain started doing very weird things. It's totally dark. The water is exactly your skin temperature, and it's heavily salinated, so you float perfectly. And so you, you feel nothing, basically. It's very odd. And after about 45 minutes, I started to get motion sick because my brain didn't really know what to do with this current sensory environment. But the other uh, aspect of that is after a period of time of lacking stimulus, my brain started doing weird things like oh, have I been in here? Did I miss the alarm? Did I not hear the music that was supposed to play when I'm supposed to get out? Okay, it has to have been an hour by now. It's been such a long time. And it started playing these weird games like it, it, it really messed with me. And so I, I do think that there are some parallels there in terms of once you remove the noise, y- y- your attention then is directed to every little other thing. Uh, and it really frees up that both, both positively and negatively hyper-awareness of your aches, your pains, your little things you might not notice on a regular basis. And I can see how, yes, fi- financial independence in the same way, if you're very focused on a, on a goal to reach this point, and you're, you're, you hit that point it 's like you 're entering this space that might start making your brain do funny things
3: so Stephen, you know I think a lot of us try to get to this place with our money to get to financial freedom to remove some of that noise, uh, especially our own self created noise. The problem is that we also have the noise of all our friends and family and relationships. Uh, Other people create noise, especially when we tell them about what we're doing. Tell me about the effect your journey is having on the people around you. Do they support you? Do they think you're nuts? What do they think about your interest in financial independence?
2: Um, I would say I have no friends who (laughs) share my interest whatsoever. I mean, Yasin... From the Good Life Guys podcast. That, um, he, uh, yeah, he's kind of, uh, out of all the people I know, he's probably the most kind of wants to serious about one thing to maybe get onto this path to some extent. But I've been trying to show people I love in my life that are important to me, like my brother, my best friends, because I think it would really benefit them to move at least somewhat in that direction. But it's uh, really hard, and it's, it's like bringing a, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I've sent my little brother the the stock series by Jim Collins. And every kind of two weeks or a month, I'm like, so have you, uh, have you read that yet? And he's always like, eh, ah, that's boring, man. No. So I just, I just can't get him interested. So I would say that I don't see many different now that I'm on this path. I would say if I hadn't have mentioned it to my friends, they certainly wouldn't recognize. It's not like I'm being a hermit and staying indoors. I'm not going out. You know, I'm just, just being a little bit more careful about how I spend and whatnot. But uh, I'd say it hasn't really had a massive effect on any of my relationships. Hopefully, it's made me a bit more chilled. And in that sense, my relationships are better, I'd like to think.
3: Yeah, Julian, I'd like to throw the same question over to you. Financial independence can cause a sense of isolation with family and friends. Is this something you feel people are really dealing with, this sense of being on a separate and different path that people don't understand?
0: It was challenging for us. So like I said, we hit financial independence when I was 32, which is an odd age to do that. Um, So I had to broach this topic with our friends and family when we decided to take a year off of work because we have five little kids and people with five little kids should not quit their jobs. Like that is the narrative. Like you don't do that. That's not a wise choice. And so we had to say, you know, we're going to take a year off and and we've kind of got the money thing figured out, but it was really, it was hard for a lot of people because there's such a strong correlation with retirement to not doing anything productive for kind of opting out of life. Like you're, you're quitting something and it took a long time to kind of get people on board of no, we're actually just trying to create more space for other things that really matter to us. We think that we can have a better contribution and a different contribution if we have more autonomy and freedom. Um, Some people understood, some people didn't. It strengthened some relationships, and some kind of fell by the wayside.
3: Yeah, Anthony, I'm wondering for you, you started on a quest to break the twitch. Uh, You talk about the power of minimalism uh habits and creativity, I imagine that's a message that may not sit well with all of your friends and family. It's a different message, a new message. Uh, have you found that to isolate you from some of your previous relationships?
1: Yes <laughs> yes, absolutely, and you know some in positive ways, some in not great ways when we decided to to pursue this and realize that there was a disconnect between the things we own and who we felt like we were as a person, so basically living in a world where the things we own define us and who we are and our value to society, uh, when we started going down a different path of not wanting big brands on us and being billboards for for different companies and things like that, it, it sort of caused a rift because it, it made us start going in a direction that was different from a lot of the friends we had. And luckily, we're still friends with, with most of those people, and it's, it's just that we've chosen a very different path. Uh, we live in a city in a smaller house versus the, the suburbs in a gigantic house with two high-paying jobs. And instead, we're entrepreneurs. We're trying to build something we, we're passionate about. It's it's a different path, but it also means that like FI or FI, you have to make some choices on a day-to-day basis. And it's those small choices each day about not doing something in particular or doing something else instead that make the difference over the long run. And so those small choices definitely do cause a bit of a rift sometimes just because you're not going to be maybe going out as much or you're not going to be. Doing certain things that you might have done a lot before. So,
4: uh, Anthony, I found the same thing and similar to what Jillian was saying is it's it's really hard to engage with people because people because the standard answer that people if you, that you first meet somebody they say is what is you what is it that you do, and if you open up with this idea of well, I mean, I'm retired and I just kind of live off my investments. That's just a tough conversation that, that, that doesn't, I've had to adjust. I've, I've tried several varieties of that. Um, and so now I just tell people that I'm just a, 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 an investor and I help other people um, escape the rat race. And so that ends up being a more interesting conversation. It has fundamentally changed
1: the way that I ask people about what they do and, and how I get to know people when I meet them. You too. Uh, instead, I never ask, what do you do? I'm like, oh, so what are you into? That's right. always my default question now. And because I've gotten it, so no, but what do you do for money? Like, no, 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 that's that's what I do for money. And I, I, I hated having to do that conversation over and over and over. Yeah.
4: Definitely. So let's, in closing, let's review the question. Let's circle back to the fundamental question of this episode is, will financial independence make you happy? So I'd like for each of you to be able to jump in and comment on, what we should be thinking about in the journey, because I think we all know that the end, that the fundamental answer to that is not necessarily no. It's not the case. But what will make you happy, and why is the financial independence journey still worth it? Start with you, Stephen.
2: Um, well, I think when you're on the financial independence journey, it's thrilling and it gives you something meaningful and and also interesting. I mean, I know I, credit uh, earlier on, I said, oh, it's addictive, yada yada, but it's also it's also an interesting I mean, I do enjoy reading blogs about investing. It's it's uh it's like pleasure reading for me. But so I mean it's it's it can be fun in and of itself. It gives you something to focus on. It gives you it's good grist for the mill, as it were, in like building discipline that can lead into other areas of your life. You become more intentional and deliberate in how you live on a day to day basis. So I think all those things make you happier. You just have to be aware of the pitfalls of becoming a little addicted and, 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 you know, checking your investments too much in terms of when you achieve financial independence. I think, again, it can certainly bring you happiness provided you have meaningful purpose in your life and you don't just use it as an excuse to veg out and,
4: uh, you know, do nothing. Anthony, how about you? Is, the pursuit of financial independence will getting there make you happy, and if not, why pursue it?
1: General, that progress makes us happy, that seeing ourselves progress towards something that matters to us makes us brings us contentment. I'll say mm-hmm. happy is a tough word, yep, I'll say brings contentment and so, in my belief i I work still as an entrepreneur, I'm very heavily. <laughs> invested in in this kind of thing and so i see myself doing this for the foreseeable future but i can imagine that as long as there is continued progress in different areas of life after reaching a point of financial independence that the contentment would continue and it would just help you embrace that form of progress instead of the progress you're seeing towards that particular goal while you're trying to reach it so I think the answer is yes and no, not in and of itself. Right. That the progress and growth that comes from achieving something like that and then moving on and doing different things would actually be what.
4: Yeah. That reminds me of a quote and I wish I remember who said it, but the happiness is the pursuit of a worthwhile goal. I think that's a summary, a good summary of what you said there. And I definitely think there's that resonates with me. Uh, Jillian, how about you? Uh, Will financial independence make you happy? You you've achieved it. Are are you happier? And if it doesn't make you happy, why pursue it in the first place?
0: I'm absolutely happier. (laughs) You're You're happier. Oh, absolutely happier. But At the same time, a lot of the things that are true now were also true when I was 19. Like I was still a happy person. I was still an extremely grateful person. I was still a generous person. Uh, We had $50,000 of debt, and I think we made $12,000 that first year. But I was like, I have more than enough, so I gave $100 a month. And I was still a kind person. I still loved serving people really well. And financial independence for me has just allowed me to grow even more in the things that I was already cultivating, the things that already mattered. I love in Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, she said that she never demanded that her creativity pay the bills. She said, I I always said that I'll take care of the bills for both of us. And she did that by side hustling and waitressing while she wrote her novels And I've seen it as kind of like I did investments in real estate. Like my creativity, my entrepreneurship doesn't have to pay the bills. I do it because I love it. And so I say no to a lot of things that would be profitable. I say yes to things that make absolutely no financial sense. And I'm getting to do my very best work. And as a correlation, I think my very best work, it actually – is the best paying work I've ever had. So in the weirdest sense, I'm just doing what I love. I'm getting paid more for it. And I have this amazing lifestyle. My lifestyle is so much better than when we, I mean, for real, we worked like two 50 hour a week jobs. We were very stressed out as far as the time crunches. Now we travel like 10 weeks a year. We're home with our kids. I mean, it's just I am definitely happier, but I started that happiness cultivating it at the very beginning.
3: Jillian, as I hear you say that, uh, this idea of you are who you are before and after, um, we have a saying, I'm a hospice physician, so I I help people at the end of life, and we tend to say that people die the way they lived, right? So if they were calm people, if they're happy people, they tend to have good, calm, happy deaths, and if they were anxious or angry people, they tend to have not the greatest deaths. Uh, so I think the corollary would be that we tend to fi the way we live, um, but maybe just a touch better.
0: Yes, yeah, it just it gives us the ability to amplify what we're already doing. Um, one of one of my posts I talk about like there is no magic finish line, and there is no prize at the end of this race. You get financial independence, nobody gives you a medal. It's more like you get a whole bunch of construction material dumped in your yard and they're like, okay, now you get to build a house, best of luck. And if you've learned nothing, you have no building skills up to that point or you don't know what kind of house you want to build, it's going to be a really frustrating experience. And that's why most people just don't quit. They're like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know if I can replicate a better life. So I'll just keep doing what I'm doing.
4: Oh, I like that because that's a good teaser for another episode. We might just have something right about that. What do you do? How do you find your purpose when you get dumped this con- uh, this lump of construction materials <laughs> in your front yard? Okay. I'd like to give each of you a chance to promote anything or where we can find you and anything that's uh, working that you're working on, what's up next in your life. So Stephen, how about you? Where can we uh, tune in to your podcast and your anything you have online and you have any any new projects brewing?
2: Um, You can check out my podcast, which I do with my co-host Yasin at thegoodlifeguys.com. And that's on iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud. But I uh, com is probably the best place to go and um yeah in terms of other projects not really that's the main one
4: you're you're pretty busy with that huh, it sounds like <laughs>
2: yeah very good yeah yeah we there's like th- uh, three four new episodes up there each week so oh that's a lot
4: uh, yep. yeah and so that's what's next for him is a lot of podcasts coming up <laughs> All right, Anthony, how about you? Uh, what? Where can we find you and where or, or do you have any new projects that you're working on that you'd like to share? Everything I do can
1: be found right at breakthetwitch.com. And you'll find the podcast just by searching Break the Twitch, the YouTube channel also just Break the Twitch. And, uh, you know, we have the podcast is a completely sponsor free podcast. It's a member driven thing. In fact, Break the Twitch as a whole is largely becoming that. So we have an amazing member community at breakthetwitch.com community, where we have monthly audio series and all kinds of great stuff going on and a really supportive community there. So that's the, the newest project for Break the Twitch, uh, launching that, which has been great.
4: Wonderful. Make sure and check it out. I have enjoyed his uh, YouTube channel, especially. And then his podcast is very well produced. It's uh, it, it gives us a run for our money. So we're going to have to step step up our game. So thanks a lot for all that pressure, Anthony. And Jillian, how about you? Where can we find you? And do you have any interesting, fun projects you're working on? What's up next for you?
0: Yeah, you can find me at Montana Money Adventures. And I am actually super excited. I decided to take kind of my 10 best lessons that I use in mentoring that I've put in paid courses that have kind of been hidden away behind a paywall or through coaching and make them into free lessons. Um, So there's gonna be videos and worksheets and it's gonna step-by-step walk people through kind of all of this life planning stuff, how to figure out what your superpowers are, how to figure out what you really want to do, how to start making progress on those things. So that will be on my site very soon, um uh, the next week or two. So I'm really excited about that because I feel like my ability to help people one on one is very finite. So this is will give people a great jump start.
3: So you know Paul, you know, I was really interested by this conversation because we spend so much time thinking about money and we spend so much time in this community about what we're going to do once we get to financial independence. But the truth of the matter is that that creates a lot of noise in our life. Uh, There's noise when we first learn about it and are obsessively checking our balances and looking at our asset allocations. Uh, There's noise when we daydream about how great life will be when we don't have to get up at 7am in the morning and have to go work for the man. The problem with all that noise is that it clutters our minds. And it makes me think a lot about Anthony's message about, you know, breaking the twitch. I think we have a lot of clutter and we have a lot of twitches. We do these things to relieve anxiety. And I think we even use money sometimes to relieve anxiety. And when we get to financial independence, kind of like that sensory deprivation tank, all of a sudden, all that clutter is removed, and we're left trying to piece a life together. And so it, you know, I believe the three people we had on are very successful, but one of the reasons they're very successful is I think they've been mindful early on to start building that meaningful life before the finances got to the point where they could leave work. Right, so it was all about trying to figure out who they are because they're going to be the same person after they reach financial independence that they were before financial independence, so they would have to deal with the same demons as well as have some of the great qualities they already have
4: yeah, m- money is just really a fulcrum that makes you more of the person you already are. It just gives you more more power and control, and if you're not inherently happy or don't have some sort of you haven't found your inner mission or, or, or a worthwhile purpose to pursue, then suddenly not having a job or having the certain level of achievement by getting uh, financial independence or accomplishing that is not going to su- suddenly... It's going to be just like the lottery winners that, are, that have money dropped in their lap. If you're not becoming the person that it takes to be both... Content with who you are, but then always, but never complacent, and always growing and purposeful about what what to pursue, then money or the the achievement of financial independence is not going to get that for you.
3: Yeah, I really was taken with this idea of incrementalism, and I believe all three of our guests talked about that. If you do win the lottery, I think it can be a little vertiginous, and I think it was a little confusing to me when I all of a sudden realized that I was financially independent, and it got dropped into my lap. One of the best arguments, maybe to take it a little slower, maybe one of the best arguments for the one more year syndrome actually is that this incrementalism builds uh, emotional fortitude necessary to go to the next step and start shedding things that aren't giving you value anymore. So I think a lot of people look at their W-2 employment and say, well, it's not giving me value anymore. But if they haven't incrementally built a life that will support them after they leave these activities, uh, they're going to find themselves lost, and I think that was a message that all three of them spoke about at different times in the podcast.
4: Yeah, I was not previously familiar with this concept that that Jillian had of dysregulation. Uh, I never heard of that that concept before, and it, I'm still I think I'm still processing that that narrative. But it, as she started explaining it, it kind of started making a little more sense. We get used to or we're creatures of habit. So much of what we do, we just do on automatic pilot and then when we are stretching ourselves outside of our comfort zones um, in any aspect of life but we'll talk we're talking about money then or or your career really that's I think that's really what it boils down to is your career and and that association with that career and all the time that is taken up you want out of it but then suddenly when you're free you're like oh my goodness what am I going to do with all this free time and you have to find some place something to disrupt to to replace that. And that is a huge dysregulation, right? And so how to prepare yourself for that because some, not everybody's miserable at their job. Um, I personally, I wanted out and there was no question that I, that I wanted out. Um, But not everybody finds themselves in the situation. They just find themselves with the freedom suddenly, or or they work towards it. Okay. Well, it kind of makes sense for me now. And maybe if they're not unhappy doing another year of work or whatever, But you get to do this. I I like this idea of testing this theory of, okay, well, I want to do some work, but I don't want to do all the aspects of work. So then you start pushing back at work. And that's a fun experience. If you've ever had a chance to do that. Um, I know you've done that some, just pulling back on that amount of hours that you work and a lot of responsibilities that you've taken on. I did a similar thing. I, I couldn't really control my hours so much, but I definitely pushed back. I became a better manager because I started delegating tasks that I was taking on as a manager that really should have been being done as as my, from, from my employees in the first place. And so they actually liked it that I gave them more responsibility because that gave them purpose and that gave them... Something that they felt like they had control over because it was, these are professional type engineers and they wanted a project. And so taking that on and saying, I want you to take charge of that was actually a good thing, which I would have thought that I was, you know, pushing things off on them. So it's an interesting psychological experiment that you get to go through when you have this FU money, this, 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 this power, this position of power where you can say, this is the way I want my life and I can start choosing what I do.
3: Yeah, this idea of dysregulation makes me think a lot about Anthony's talking about habits. Uh, We didn't go through it a lot in our podcast, um, but one way the way you break the twitch is with habit. I think if you drop the whole retirement and work thing and just look at our lives in general, what I feel like we're doing incrementally in the financial independence community is we're starting with lots of bad habits And we're slowly shifting out of those bad habits and starting to form newer, better life-affirming habits. Mm -hmm. And so forget the job, forget am I going to retire early or not retire early. I just feel like it's this thing where we're reaching to get charge of money because that's one bad habit that we have or a series of bad habits. And we're trying to get rid of those bad habits and then replace them with better habits, better life habits, whether that be about finances, whether that be about exercise, whether that be about diet or nutrition. The point is that we're moving from the poor habits that are not life-affirming to newer, better habits to create a more purposeful life.
4: Yeah, I like that little play on words. Um, We're switching from poor habits to to rich habits. (laughs) So I have a question for you, actually, Doc. Why pursue financial independence? What's what's your story on that? I know you write a lot about this, but in the psychology behind it, why is it worth pursuing it? What's the point behind the movement in the first
3: place? So for me, this answer is a little bit different. Financial independence taught me eventually that I had to stop concentrating on money and even achievement and start looking into myself and trying to figure out what my purpose and identity were financial dependence allowed me to leave my job so I could pursue those things, those things that may not make me money, like writing a blog or podcasting or public speaking. Uh, All those things, I think, are much more aligned with my purpose than my job ever was, although I love being a physician and I always loved being a physician. I feel more connected as I pursue more of these other opportunities Could I have done this without financial independence? No, I don't think I would have had the freedom uh, financially to leave and do what I want to do. On the other hand, if I were now 21 years old and know what I know now, I don't know if I would have gone after financial independence so much as I would have gone after finding that purpose and meaning and found ways to monetize it. So I would have been financially savvy in the sense that I would earn what I needed to, I would save a good percentage of it. I would invest. I would make all those smart money moves, but those don't take a lot of emotional energy, nor nor physical energy. Once you realize how to do it, uh, but I probably wouldn't worry so much about my finances as much as I'd worry about creating the best life I could, uh, one that sat well with me, that I could do for the next forty or fifty years, and not worry about it. And eventually, the money would have come, and my numbers would have compounded, and I would have hit financial independence anyway. I just might have enjoyed the ride a little more.
4: Yeah, once you acquire the requisite skills to be a, a good money manager, whether that be saving or earning or both, then that gives you the the flexibility to make what you need to make in order to do what you want to do. And that, I think that's really what it boils down to. And it kind of reaffirms a bit of a theory I've been kind of working on is that um, is what I kind of actually coach and teach this a lot, but I, I always hesitate to, if it's it's always good advice for everybody, but my my message is: go find out what you how you want to live your life, and then find income that fits that. Versus the default answer, which is you have to go find a job to pay your bills, and then live leave your life lead your life around that. You make your life fit into little buckets, at which which is for most people the, the weekend or, or, or between shifts, and that's just not the way we have to live anymore. With some of the some of the the new the gig economy and this other options that are available to us podcasting. I mean, it's not anything that was that was available to people just a few years ago.
3: Yeah. It's almost like you've got to let life drive money, not money drive life.
4: That's a better summary. I like that. I'm going to steal that from you. Perfect. So Doc G and I have been giving this podcast a lot of thought and how we're going to promote it. And we've decided that we're going to partner with our guests that have a product or service that would benefit you, our audience. I had the pleasure of meeting Jillian Rood from Montana Money Adventures in person at FinCon in September 2018, just a few months ago. She has an incredible story in a relevant product called Money Coach School, which focuses on how to find your niche, what to add to your offer, how to price your offer, how to structure and market your offer. Plus, it includes four lessons on how to coach, which is a lot of the soft skills and psychology we so much like to talk about here on our episodes. It's not the technical CPA or advisor type training. Instead, she helps you take all the awesome knowledge you already have and build a coaching business around it. I've reviewed the course and I'm happy to endorse it so you can find your ideal client and make your branding sing. If you have considered being a money coach, then you need Jillian's Money Coach School. You can learn more about it at diversify.com slash Jillian. We host the podcast here on Doc G's blog at diversify.com, and you can see Jillian's course information at diversify.com slash Jillian, J I L L I A N. Use the coupon code up next. U-P-N-E-X-T, all one word, and get a $50 discount if you order within the next two weeks of this show airing on January 14th, 2019. This would be a great way to launch your money coach business. If you use the discount code, we may get paid a commission. You get a discount, we get a commission, and Jillian can help serve you in your money coaching business. It's a win all the way around.
3: All right. Well, this has been the What's Up Next podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, and my fellow co-host, Paul Thompson, we'd like to thank Stephen from the Good Life Guys podcast, Anthony Angaro from Break the Twitch, and Jillian Johnsrude from the Montana Money Adventures. That's a wrap. And, and Christy from Millennial Revolution was supposed to be here, but she got the stomach flu. <laughs> she didn't feel like our, our listeners would want to hear her heaving in the background. <laughs>
0: That is wrong. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a lot, a lot of fun, and Jillian even brought food. So yeah, she brought snacks.
0: <laughs> I had lots of snacks. For I do have five kids though. So. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm accustomed to the way of snack.
4: She can't help out. but be, but be mama. So when she shows up, she, she
3: treats us like her kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know that everyone gets angry, and like yeah. when you're on your feet all day, just a snack, boosts the mood.
3: Right. Jillian's going to just keep dancing. Yeah. All right. I
0: do a lot of dancing.
3: Podcasters yourself. So I, again, I expect you guys to make us look really good.
4: Yeah. Cool. So the pressure's on you guys this time. So
3: ha. Paul, what was it the first three or four times we did zoom together? Paul, I didn't have any, vo- I always did something wrong. I either didn't have my yeah. volume up or uh, newbies. Yeah. I mentioned this before between the music and the intros and the outros. You're you know, Paul, we got to step up our game. I think. Yeah.
4: It's all this pressure.
3: Paul, Paul, I think you caught me typing and muted me for a second there, didn't you? Yeah, Yeah, I was making loud typing noises. I'm the
4: I'm the audio Nazi. Yeah, like
3: stop it. Tech moves fast, so keep
1: pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch, with new episodes every day. This podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more.